The theme for the uh, evening talk is inner questioning. <coughs> in uh, South India, in a place called uh, Tiruvannamalai, there used to be a sage of India known as Sri Ramana Maharshi. And Ramana, who died in 1950, has become widely known and much loved and respected for a form of inner inquiry which took the language of who am I? Who am I? And during the years of his teachings, people from various places and parts of India would travel to Tiruvannamalai to uh, meet with him. And he had a small uh, meditation room uh, in the ashram at the foot of a rather lovely uh, hill called Aruntala. And it was well known that he, in the evening times he would just sit on, on this uh, couch or on the, on the floor and people would spend time with Ramana, much of it in fact in silence. He wasn't much for um, giving talks and things. And occasionally a, a question would arise and these were kept as a record and his answers themselves tended to be um, rather uh, brief and not as long-winded as some of us. And the focus very much with Ramana was twofold. One, the tremendous importance for realization of silence. And the second, the directing of this question, who am I? And Sometimes, of course, as it is with our um, existence, it can go along from year in, year out, and it seems that it might take a fairly dramatic sort of event in our life or change to uh, shake us up a little bit. And that can be through loss, of course, through death, through uh, uh, separation, through the struggle of oneself to try to make sense of things and also occurring inwardly as well when there are events going on in our life we can't um, comprehend them and we experience inside of ourselves questions about you know, who am I, what am I doing with my life is there any purpose to life or to my uh, life should I start this should I finish this? Should I continue this? And all of that movement that goes on inside is a form of questioning within us. A form of questioning to try to, dis to be clear about who we are and what we are doing with our life. And Ramana in his um, teachings acknowledged this point and difficulty very, very well. And in the Sanskrit, just to uh, expand a bit further here, in the Sanskrit there's this 
a concept called ahamkara. And ahamkara um, means eye-making activity. Eye-making activity. And what goes on with us within is something in the form of movement of thoughts, feelings, ideas and perceptions. And the centerpiece of it is the I. And as it were, wrapping itself around the I are a whole range, uh, myriad numbers of feelings, views, states of mind. And we keep repeating this, and this constant repetition is called ahamkara, I-making activity. And so the I, this I, and the making of this I in and around situations gets built up. And we find ourselves concluding, as it were, well, this is who I am. This is the kind of person that I am. These states of mind, these states of my, my body, uh, my gender, my feelings, my thoughts, my moods, this is who I am. And this, the strength of this I, the uh, significance of it, tends to be determined by what it's associated with, by what it's in contact with. So at times, we experience the I feeling very, very strong. And we say, well, I feel very, very strongly about this, and this really matters to me. And so the I is, has been built up, it's acquired a tremendous status, and it's an association with feelings and thoughts and views. And the I, with the feelings and thoughts and views, gets close together and say, well, this really matters to me. I feel very strongly uh, about this. And then sometimes we experience a very, an I with great contrast to it. And the I very, of much contrast can be very refined, very gentle, very uh, soft very easy, very relaxed, and one says, well, right now I am feeling rather quiet, I'm feeling content, I'm feeling still, I'm not demanding anything from anybody in the world, nor from myself, and the I is a, is a very subtle expression there. So here's this I, strong, intense, building up, sometimes in its more ugly faces of uh, greed, hate, delusions, etc. Sometimes it's more kinder face of warmth and kindness and human goodness and sometimes the eye manifesting in subtle states of meditation and refinement of being. And we say, well, in all of this spectrum of the appearance of I, this is who I am. And so the sense of who I am does relate to and depend upon what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing. And we kind of go along in a way with a social agreement about this is who I am. And then comes the night and time for uh, sleep. As much as we've been very keen for the presentation of I during the course of the day, I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 and sometimes also not very keen about it, come the uh, end of the day, 
and the time for the horizontal posture and our greatest wish is to see the end of this eye-making activity we're very keen for its dissolution because if it doesn't dissolve we can't sleep and so we, we build up this eye but every day we have as much interest just by sleep of getting rid of it because if we can't and we lie down at night we are saying to ourselves why can't I sleep? why is my mind going on like this? or in Sanskrit language why is this ahamkara, this eye-making activity it should have stopped by now, I'm so tired and it refuses to allow oneself so the presentation of I is something that we have a relationship to the intensification of it in various forms at times, whether ecstatic or miserable also we notice in ourselves and as I say, the dissolution and its ending, such as in sleep is something that we're very very grateful for and we can feel quite upset if we can't get to sleep or we can feel furious with ourselves if we wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning or whatever and the eye says this is too early this is too much and let this eye disappear again so I can get back into deep sleep which is no eye and so our world in just on a round the clock basis oscillates between strong eye subtle eye no eye such as in uh, uh, deep sleep and Ramana would ask and wisely and appropriate is this who I am? who am I? is it just I appearing, jumping out of consciousness associated with various states of mind and body and with a regular daily interest in its dissolution to get a bit of rest from it called sleep is that the sum total of my life, my experience, my drift through this strange world? and once some questioning begins to, to start inside of oneself and, and uh, ask there it's um, no easy situation to stay, stay steady with and sometimes some people in these activities and in the field of um, psychotherapy and the field of mind-body work are actually looking for an I which is essentially agreeable to have an agreeable I so therefore an I which isn't hassled by the mind an I in which in its relationship to the body it's uh, is a harmonious and easy to be with an I which doesn't flap in difficult circumstances and so sometimes we can find ourselves in day-to-day -day life looking for an eye which stays steady and therefore the mind keeps steady and the body keeps steady and if I can just have that a steady eye that would be just great and um, enough for, for this lifetime uh, let alone any um, future event and so sometimes there is a settling in a settling down or a settling for something which neither Ramana nor anyone else of any metal would regard as the best 
So here's a meditation work and practice going on, the abiding in the silence. And in a way, this abiding in silence and, and sitting, it's, um, um, by most standards, a rather odd thing to be engaged in. Because if one looks at it in a reasonably dispassionate uh, way, the word meditation is just a kind of um, um, entertaining, colourful concept for people who sit and walk and stand and really doing nothing of any use whatsoever. And so to make people feel comfortable with it, one introduces form and language and words, such as meditation, to feel, feel in fact, that one is doing something. Doing something which really could be important and really could be helpful and useful. But drop the word meditation out of the meditation hall and giving up the whole associations that go with it, really, actually, and humanly speaking, one is doing nothing. Nothing whatsoever. And kind of turning it into an art form. <laughs> and, and it seems to be the reverse of what the mind normally knows. The mind normal, normal knowing of the mind is to be doing something. And this doing something gives oneself a sense of self-worth, a sense of purpose and direction, it moves the mind towards, and it has a resting place, a resting point, called achievement, called results, called the effects of what we do. And all of that's connected with the inner movement of life and its outer expression. But all of this inner movement of life and outer expression has a mode of doing with it, and it does carry, at times, as we know, quite a lot of effort. An effort to do things. An effort to uh, get things done. Sometimes there's a wave of energy and interest, and it seems less like effort, but there's still a doing towards. And in all the doing, there is the doer. I am doing this, I'm going to do some meditation, I'm going to do a retreat, I'm going to do practice. And so the sense of the doer is related to the activity and to the, to the description and to the results that come. And in all of that is the I, the I making activity. In what we do, the way we do it, and the results which come, and I lives in that zone, lives in that field. In tender, and the action, the doer, the doing, sorry, and the uh, end of the doing. And all the welfare of I is all bound up with that. Heart, mind, body, and being in this world. And as I say, sometimes we want to do things and live our life and do what we do in our life and, and be clear with it, be comfortable with it, so the I, as I said, isn't hassled by circumstances. But where? 
Where, might one ask, does this intention and doing and action and the results, where does it spring from? Where, where, what, what, what's the, the launch pad for all of this? And it's not unusual on retreats uh, and in other situations. We say, um, I'm watching the body. I'm observing my body moving and acting and functioning, etc. Um, I'm observing my mind. I'm feeling happy or tired or interested or bored or agitated or whatever. And so often, our eye is so solidly connected to it, we say, oh, I am happy, sad, bored, agitated or whatever. And then other times we say, well, I'm watching it. And actually, has the, I actually have the capacity to observe the mind. And this capacity to observe the mind can then produce more questions out of us. Who on earth is watching the mind? Who's watching my mind? And then we say, well, well I am watching my mind there. And, and then another question can spring out of that. Well, if I know I am watching my mind, who knows? that I am watching my mind. And who knows that? And it has a kind of mirror image rippling on effect. And we never seem to be able to get to the beginning of who's watching? Because if I know I'm watching, who knows I am watching? And this impact of all of this can sometimes generate difficulty and uh, um, unsettledness and confusion within. And Maramana's teachers keep pointing out, who's the observer of all of this? Who's the witness of all of this? There can be periods of time in the meditation when shifts of uh, focus and perception can um, have various kind of impacts. And can we see and be clear about this as early as possible? What I have in mind here is, and use another old uh, word from the old text, which we don't have uh, in, in English, and just incidentally uh, on that, that the precision of language in Sanskrit and Pali, that's the language the Buddha is reputed to have spoken in, uh, is extraordinary depth of subtlety of language in terms of all mind and body states. In many levels at language level, uh, English language is certainly rather gross compared to the refinement of language from two and a half thousand years ago. To give you what I'm referring to here, we're observing the mind. We're seeing thoughts arise and pass. We get into a stream of thoughts about something and we get quite caught up in what we are thinking about. And so there's a perception about something, there's a feeling about something, and then there's a thought about it, and then there are more thoughts about it. Past, present or future, thoughts about thoughts or whatever, ideas or whatever. And then suddenly there's 
in the strength of those thoughts if there's some measuring of inquiry which is going on it might be spontaneously one starts to have the thinking about the thinking and one goes off in another avenue why am I thinking so much about this? who's thinking about this? anyway what's all this thinking about? what's it all doing to me? and so one has starts off with thinking about something then one somehow starts to make a turn from that and then one starts thinking about the thinking and if one can go on long enough one will start thinking about the thinking about the thinking and mind can go on a roller coaster in all of this and it's some kind of quest to get an answer and one can't doesn't quite click sometimes that the answer can't come through the thinking about it just is not the instrument nor the vehicle and yet somehow or other we've come to develop huge faith in thinking have huge faith, blind faith religious faith of a fundamentalist order that if we keep thinking about something the thinking will somehow be, will be revealing is it any wonder that we can be so mentally exhausted at the end of the day that we are praying for sleep to gain some recovery from the thinking but that recovery from the thinking can be very temporary as we know and one wakes up in the morning and the CD player within is CD-ROM these days there's so much thought is back in and you think I'm still believing that somehow my thinking is going to give me and tell me who am I there's no evidence for it nobody has ever succeeded on the earth of finding out who they really are through thinking about oneself and yet one thinks one's going to be the first exception <laughs> superseding the Buddha Ramana Mahashi and the other sages so if thought is not the instrument to know who I am there needs to be a certain degree of ruthlessness of not re regarding thought and all the ideas that go in the field of thought as anything else except a thought and can the heart deeply and clearly inside of it be extremely clear that a thought is just a thought therefore not to undermine it not to dismiss it not to suppress it but to see the thought as just the thought and perhaps out of that clarity of perception being completely honest with things the field of thought will have less significance in our life and perhaps out of that 
reduction of its significance, its sometimes overwhelming significance, a space will arise in us or through, through us which will begin to give the intimation of something which is not of thought. Ramana's teachings is asking, who am I? Who am I? And sometimes if we listen very quietly to the responses to that, to that question, and we kind of feel the deeper inner responses to it, it seems, it genuinely seems quite gross to try to formulate it into language. So just, who am I without bringing it to words? So that putting it into language, well, I am this person who was born in this place, who has this background, who has done this and has been here and been there and done this and done that. It all seems rather external, rather extra, rather superfluous. And one begins to sense all that I think of who I am and all, therefore, my conditioning doesn't seem outer, external, and maybe all the conditioning that's showing itself through existence is not really who I am. Not really who I am. And even though my I and my ahamkara, my I-making activity, is completely and exclusively bound up with the conditioning of who I am, and what I am, and where I've been, and who I'm with, and who I'm not with, and what I'm doing with my life, (coughs) and all the conditioning of views that come. That in our not doing, and in our silence, and in our stillness, it seems rather gross to say, well, that is who I am. It doesn't seem quite so genuine and authentic. Because when it's just being silent, and being rather still, rather contemplative, saying, well, who am I? When the mind moves and the conditioning comes through, which we've been talking about over the days, but somehow it seems almost offensive to determine oneself as, as all of that. And then there's a silence which uh, Ramana um, uh, speaks of, or, or holds dearly. And perhaps in that silence, perhaps another kind of receptivity is coming about who I am and to put it into the word would be to move the mind a step too far. Sometimes we hear these things, we contemplate a little bit on on these things, we um, explore these things or whatever and it's not unusual for oneself to say to oneself well, what does it matter? What does it matter whether I know myself or not? What does it matter if I come to a resolution of who am I? Maybe I never will. But one one thing seems to be for sure that not discovering, 
and not realizing seems to fix us in this wandering on from one thing to another into the field of conditioning exclusively and there's something as we all know rather unsatisfactory about that but perhaps even more important not to know who one is really seems to me to be a complete waste of one's existence what on earth would a human being want to live on this earth and live in the unreality for to live in the condition to live in being moved on and swept on in the field of circumstances and all, all the ups and downs of things all the turbulences of things and, 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 and all the eye-making activity and think that's the true reality so since we are and since we exist and since we have being and presence and exposure to silence and diversity surely we had some kind of birthright to exist and to discover who we are and simultaneously as Ramana said many times thereby realizing what we are not and the very fact that we have the capacity and that awareness to see a state of mind come and go to see ideas and thoughts come and go to see bodily experiences come and go surely something indicates to us well if I can observe all of that so well and so clearly how could, why would I want to, ob- to identify with what I observe why would I, why would I want to say that which I observe is me what would I want to do that for? When I look at, at this, I don't say, oh look, I'm a piece of wood. <laughs> well, it might do if I'm feeling a bit spaced out. <laughs> or, or whatever. Yet somehow or other, there's, it, something goes on, and this I, this I-making activity, never satisfied, so it wants to connect with, it, with what it sees, and with it, what it observes, and it moves on to what it observes called state of mind because that's very close at hand or onto the body and yet there only has to be a little change and we view quite differently if we cut our hair or, or cut our nails we say oh this is, this is my hand and then we cut our nails or whatever and then bits of nails lying all over the bathroom floor or in the meditation room because one is bored there and then suddenly it's separated from oneself that's not me because one who would want to be swept up in somebody's shovel and so the relationships things to change one cuts one's hair and it goes, goes off down the, the sink or wherever it goes these, these days oh god I'm going down the sink so the relationship to things in terms of attachment and non-attachment coming and going and when it's with us it's me, and when it's not, it's not me. And all this movement backwards and forwards, yet the body is observable. It's observable. Just as anything else in this world is observable. Why make the error of perception and put the eye onto what is observable?
Bharat just says, here is body. Here is breathing life going on. Here is the experience of vibrations and sensations which are uh, occurring. Here is the state of mind. Here is the stream of thought. Here is a wave of emotion going on. Why move the eye onto it? What good does it do us? And because we move the eye onto it so frequently and so easily, that's what we become. We become the conditioned event of existence. And thus, we begin to think that the relative or the conditioned is the true reality of things. Simply because the eye has got stuck on one thing and then something else and something else. Constantly moving from one thing to another. So if there's just that bare awareness and the eye isn't unloading itself onto what it observes and has no interest to be identify itself with awareness, then the eye's got nowhere to go. Maybe who am I is answered in a different way. Not through language, not through the conditions or whatever, but in another way. When the eye going from the subject, we might call it awareness or observation or whatever, to the object which is observed, and the eye moving back and forwards as it does for all of us doesn't really say anything about anything. And I say sometimes in our more contemplative being, in our silent silence of, of being, the eye and its conditioned activities don't tell us anything about who we are, who we really are. They just say that the eye is moving hither and thither. And therefore our silence and our stillness and our not doing maybe is a rather primary key to knowing who we are. And if we know who we are, then we're free from conditions. Therefore there's no death. There's no birth. There's no coming nor going. There's no worry nor fear. There's neither this nor that because it's all bound up with the conditions. To know who we are is to be free. It is to be liberated immediately. And Ramana pointing to that in short, precise meetings with people who came to uh, lend an ear on rather few words that he said in and amidst the silence of things. And those essential uh, teachings still go on in the various traditions, obviously, and are taking place here in the same spirit of silence to point to that which is before the mind moves. Before self and I is noticed. Before it comes into existence. So, as I say, our silence and our stillness leaves the outer to reveal that which is not of conditioning and therefore not of time, not of change, not of death. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings explore the nature of things. May all beings 
no liberation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.